Well, this morning's message is actually going to be uh, a bunch of different texts. So just kind of have your, have your hand in, in God's Word because we're going to go to a few different things. That the verses will be up on the screen as well, but, um, but want you to also continually grow to get comfortable with the Bible in your hands. And uh, I, know that, I know that we are an electronic uh, culture as well, so you know, if you have your iPad or your iPhone or whatever, whatever it is you have, um, utilizing that rather than just up here. Let this be like a secondary thing. So getting down into the Word, we want to get into it this morning. Last year at this time, um, uh, I was gone. We, I was in Ethiopia last year, I think during this week, teaching. And Kale, Pastor Kale, shared two messages uh, that took our church family through our mission statement. And uh, the mission statement is up on the wall out there, but it's, uh, we exist to mature and multiply disciples who in, um, disciples of Jesus, uh, who enjoy the good news of Jesus for the, uh, boy, I'm messing it up, so let me say it again. We exist to mature and multiply disciples who enjoy, declare, and display the good news of Jesus for the joy of all peoples. We exist to mature and multiply disciples who enjoy, declare, and display the good news of Jesus for the joy of all people. So with that mission statement, um, we have kind of lived in that mission statement now for the last, probably about the last eight years in particular, that specific statement. We've adjusted it a little bit. We added display a couple of years ago uh, because we want to just not enjoy it and declare it, but we also want to live it out. Um, so part of the reason we asked Hale to preach on that last year was to inform us or remind each of us what the direction of Sovereign Grace Church Dayton is, what we're about, why, why we do what we do, why we maybe don't do other things, how it affects all that we do regarding ministry here at the church, or why, why, we, why we don't do certain things. And so through the last number of years, we've, we've tweaked things behind the scenes, we've changed other things up entirely, and each of these decisions that we made um, were, were on, on, the, um, on the tail end of a lot of prayer, a lot of study, a lot of discussion in groups and, and training that was taking place, all of it being done with the purpose of, of refocusing the identity and the mission and ministry of Sovereign Grace Church in Dayton. If you're a, if you're a guest here this morning, thank you for, thank you for coming. This is not a, a, a common kind of sermon that we do. Usually we're working through Scripture uh, specifically and working through a book, and we'll start into that again in a couple of weeks when we get back into Genesis. But for this morning, I hope, I hope that we trust that the Lord is going to be at work in helping us understand who we are, what we're doing, what's behind, what's behind what we do. Our mission statement is a statement that has served uh, to be an overarching definer and explainer for everything we do here. And so we spent hours and hours over the last few years, again, to refocus on the why we exist and the what we're trying to do. And, and, and actually, the first handful of uh, first statements in there is we exist to mature and multiply disciples. We spent a significant amount of time trying to figure out what is it we mean by that? Who, who are disciples? And what, are, what are we trying to accomplish in, in that? And so, especially when it comes to enjoying, declaring, and displaying the good news of Jesus and, and for the joy of all peoples. And so as we evaluated and, and reconsidered and prayerfully worked to refocus what we do and why we do it, we've been forced back to Scripture again and again. And what's happened 
uh, precisely so that we might reevaluate our understanding of the church's mission and ministry because there's many different things that we could be doing as a church. Uh, but what is it we're called to do biblically as a church? And what is it we're called to do, not just corporately as a church, but individually as the church? And uh, as we spend time thinking about this, praying about this, working through all of this, we can, and considering these things, the end result wasn't just simply a new program or new programs. Um, the end result isn't a radical new idea or anything that tops the chart of the best growth, like church growth patterns that need to happen for a church to grow. We believe, though, that we are on the trajectory that the Lord's directed us in, and we're excited to continue to move forward with it. But we want all of us to be on the same page as a church family. And if you're a guest here again this morning, you know, just, just knowing who we are and what we're, what we're doing, what we want to do, and, and if you would want to join us in this, in this path together. We want it to be increasingly true that what we're calling for as a church family actually takes place not just in how we think um, as, as, uh, as we live individually, but how we walk together in this, together as a, as a church. So once we begin our midweek gatherings on September 20th, I'll be sharing in the adult class much more about the details of what we want to see happening um, in, in, these, in these ways, and we'll move forward together. And so I want to encourage you, if you, if you um, see the midweek gathering as like just a, an optional event, it certainly is an optional event, but it is a, a primary thing that we do here at Sovereign Grace State. And so Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights are the two, two big like pieces of, of our church and how, how we're going to grow together. So I want to encourage you to make Wednesdays a priority in your weekly schedule. Because during those weeks, uh, we will be looking at more of the trees of, of, what, of what we do and how we're doing it and why we're doing it and, and calling you to join us in those specific things. But this morning, I want to um, kind of, again, step back and look at kind of a broader picture of why we do what we do. Uh, by looking at some convictions we have and then considering implications that stem from those convictions. So conviction number one is this. If you're taking notes, it'll be up on the screen. It's long. If this could stay up for just for a, a minute or two, Jensi, that'd be great. Trying to utilize the language of our mission statements in this. So the maturing and multiplying of disciples of Jesus, which is what we primarily are wanting to do, mature and multiply, mature and multiply, M&Ms, um, the maturing and multiplying of disciples of Jesus will only occur, occur when it is grasped that the gospel of Jesus Christ is at the center of God's plan for the world. That's a long statement, but it's, it's we, we just believe if, 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 the, if God's glory and his plan for the world is at the center, then, well, then maturing, we know where to go. We know, we know where to start. We, maturing and multiplying of disciples will occur when we grasp, as we grasp increasingly this reality of the gospel of grace being at the center of God's plan for the world. So what is it, you ask the question, what is it that the holy creator God is working to undertake in the world? I just mentioned to the kids, you know, we do all for the glory of God. Well, what is it that the holy creator God is working to undertake in the world, to do in the world? What is he doing? What is his plan? Is this, is this not the most important question to ask uh, yourself individually, but us as a church? What is it that God is doing 
And how do we join him? Or are we trying to make our plan happen and have him join our plan? Here, here's what he says, 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now, that's a glorious truth, that 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. Now we jump to 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12, when he says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, New Testament Christian, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. In just a few verses, verses that have become so dear to me over these last number of months and last number of years, Peter tells us what God's doing in the world and, and how we join him. Peter's writing to Christians here. They, they're, they're God's new covenant people that he is reminding of the salvation that they now know in full. We, we understand the salvation that there is in Christ. We, we've heard the gospel of truth. It was only glimpsed at by the old covenant saints. The very, the very prophets who were prophesying to the Old Testament saints were, were about the coming Messiah didn't fully understand who he was or, or how he was going to bring salvation. They were told that while Israel would experience suffering for their sin, that God would bring them back and restore them in some, in some way afterwards. And what they didn't understand was that Jesus Christ himself would come in Israel's place and bear the fullness of the suffering they deserved and be raised back to glory afterward in a resurrection and ascension. It's the first fruit of the resurrection. With that in mind, Peter says something rather amazing, and it's, it's kind of easy to miss in 1 Peter 1.12. Again, he says this, it was revealed to them, uh, that is the prophets of the Old Testament, that they were serving not themselves, but you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Spirit sent from heaven. So think about that just for a moment. And it's a little weighty through, through this section. Everything, absolutely everything God has done in redemptive history, in the history of redemption throughout all of history, everything in Genesis onward culminated in the coming of Jesus Christ and the proclamation of his work of redemption as he gathers a people for himself to dwell with forever. Peter states clearly that all the prophets uh, weren't serving themselves, they were serving the church as the gospel is preached in the power of the Spirit. That the, the gospel is preached, the way of salvation is preached, the, the glory of God is preached. The, the overarching plan of God has always been to make a name for himself among the nations. To, to spread his glory among the nations, to overcome the nations. We're going to get back in two weeks in Genesis 10 and speak about the nations and speak about the, 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 the battle that, that, that goes on and who's got the nations and how Yahweh is coming to, to, to overcome the nations, to spread his glory among the nations. 
And, and it is the proclamation of the good news, the proclamation of the gospel itself that is the power of God for salvation, bringing people from the domain of darkness, opening their eyes to see and, and opening their hearts to receive the, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the sun. That, that's the primary thing that God is doing. He is spreading his glory among the nations through the proclamation empowered by the Spirit, the proclamation of the Word of God, the, the promise of God, the gospel of God through His church. That there is life to be known, that there is forgiveness to be received, that there is freedom to be experienced in Christ. This is why if you turn to 1 Corinthians, this is not up here, if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let me just read just a little bit about what Paul says. This is so central that this is what God's about, that, that the Apostle Paul himself, who spoke about a number of things throughout, throughout the letters, this is what he says in verse 1 of chapter 2 and following. He says, I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling in my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Despite the many agendas that we see incessantly in the news or in the culture, or even in our own lives that can become primary agendas to us. God has one primary agenda, that this church we want to join him on, namely the proclamation of the gospel in order to spread the fame of his name among the nations. That's what we want to be about. That's what we want to be about here locally. It's, what we want, it's why we sent people across the world it's why, into an unreached people group. We want, through the proclamation of the word of God, by the power of the spirit of God, to spread the fame of God's glory among the peoples, among the nations, among you and among me and among our friends and among our neighbors and among our family members and among the people in this country and among government officials and among everybody, everywhere you go, that Christ would be made much of, that God's glory would be exalted and that people would be freed from their sins. That's the message of this church. That's at the very core of everything we do, what we want to do, and it's so easy to get sidetracked into other messages when that's the primary message. That's the message that we're going after. That's the message that we want to continue to grow in. The proclamation of his glory and his gospel being God's primary agenda, then the proclamation of his glory and his gospel must be the primary agenda of this church as the people of God, individually and corporately as we join him on mission. That's conviction number one. And we could go on and on about that. And that's, that's, a, that's a, a beautiful, freeing reality of like us joining him on mission instead of us trying to figure out some way to make people change and get whatever. And then, and then hopefully God joins us. It's like God is about redeeming a people for himself to dwell with. Let's get on board with that. Let's, let's move with him on that. Let's pray with him on that. We're praying the will of God. That's when the Spirit is praying for us, he's praying according to the will of God. The will of God is that his glory would be seen among the nations and the people would be redeemed. A people that he is zealous to, to dwell with and to, to live with forever and to not just become more moralistic. 
but to be lovers of him, to have their lives radically changed, altered. Conviction number two. These, these words are all very important uh, here. So the spirit-empowered grasp of the gospel is what motivates the maturing and multiplying of disciples of Jesus. The spirit-empowered grasp of the gospel, you could say our, not just the, but our spirit-empowered grasp of the gospel is what will motivate the maturing and multiplying of disciples of Jesus in this place, in our lives. When God's Word talks about the proclamation of the gospel, it's not just speaking of a, about a method of earnest communication, although it certainly includes that earnest communication. It's, it's not just stating the gospel when called upon to share the gospel with somebody. As we strive earnestly to communicate this through the preached Word, through songs, through prayer, through counseling, through conversations over the dinner table, conversations at the cafe, uh, conversations about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and all its wonder. It's meant to have a transformative effect on you and I, on, on you and I as those who are sharing the gospel and on those people that are recipients of that gospel because it's the gospel that's the power of God for salvation to all who believe. It's the good news of the gospel that informs, jumping ahead here, but informs the way that we will respond to God with thankfulness and, and joy rather than just obligatory obedience. The way our mission statement says it is that we become those who enjoy the gospel. Declaring the gospel and displaying the gospel for not just the obedience of all peoples, right, but for the joy of all peoples for the joy, for the freeing joy there is in knowing Christ and Him crucified. As we spoke of in our brief summer series in Proverbs, it's finding life in Jesus uh, the, that is wisdom personified, you remember from last couple of weeks, that the Word of God all points to where we will find blessing in Him and steadfastness and joy and contentment and victory and, and, and real life. It's, it's in Him. And so we want to be, I mean, the term gospel-centered has become so kind of commonplace and so watered down in whatever way. So I'm, I'm hesitant to use the term gospel-centered because, like, whatever that means exactly. What, what we mean by that is that this is the plan of God, that we want to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ for the joy of all peoples, that they might be motivated by this good news in the way that we interact with each other, in the way that we respond to cultural things, in the way that we, that we care for our neighbors, in the way that we address things. We do so as those who once were such and such, but now we are freed in Christ. We were once dead in our sins. Now we have been made alive in Christ. And so that motivates us to a life of change, a life that is where first loves have been changed from a first love of ourselves or something else to, to the first love of God. So listen to what the Apostle Paul communicates to the Colossian Christians in the first chapter of the letter to the Colossians. He says this in Colossians 1. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Say, so, so much gospel centrality just in that Pauline sentence there. Of this, you 
have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it's bearing fruit. What's bearing fruit? The proclamation of the gospel, the, the, the empowered, the spirit-empowered proclamation of the gospel is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you, Christian, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. The, the result of their faith in Christ, Paul says in verse, verses 13 and 14 in Colossians 1, he's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. There is, there is no more condemnation, Paul says in Romans 8. There's, there's freedom, uh, Paul says in Galatians. There's this freedom to know. There's, there's, there's joy to, to be experienced. This is the primary change that we are meant to work for uh, and proclaim and expect to happen when the gospel is proclaimed in the power of the Spirit. The people, you know what it's like to try to change someone's mind? I mean, maybe if it's something they want, you could change their mind. And maybe they're just changing their own mind to whatever. But to, to change the mind of someone who is running the absolute other way in earnest joy and satisfaction and yet dissatisfaction and anger and frustration, to say, stop going that way, there's an answer over here, look to Jesus. To try to change that person's mind, we can't do it. We're called to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, and the Spirit will do this work, moving someone from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of Christ. This is a foundational, fundamental change in a person. It's not just creating a moralistic society or people group. It's radical life change from one kingdom to another, and it's something that we cannot do and force to happen. It's something we are absolutely dependent on the Spirit to do, but he does so through the proclamation of the Word of God. It assumes that apart from the gospel, as, as nice as people may or may not be, before holy God, people in this world, you and I included at one point, if you know Christ today, at one point this was true of you, condemned in our sin. Lost. So it means that on one level, all of humanity, all the thousands of tribes and languages and people groups, all people fall into one of only two categories. And the two categories aren't political. The two categories aren't economical. The two categories are saved, unsaved. People of the kingdom of this world, people of the kingdom of God. But it's not simply that people are either in or out we, we, we must recognize also that there's, there's people who are, they're certainly in or, in or out, but, but there's people that are in process. People are, are, are moving in, in process. Some, some people are moving the opposite way, but God is at work today, even in this room possibly, drawing people to himself who aren't yet his, who have not come to him yet, I should say, utilizing um, us to proclaim, to pray, to care for, and to minister to those people. Consider Mark chapter 12, when Jesus speaks of the scribe about what the greatest commandment is, and upon giving the right answer, Jesus tells him, hey, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Now, consider that for a moment. This man that wasn't yet in the kingdom um, was able to share the right answer in some way. He, he was able to 
start connecting. His mind was beginning to understand Jesus' teaching, and so it seemed as though, it seems as though, and Jesus says pretty clearly, you're not far from the kingdom of God. He, he's, he's moving towards him. There's a drawing. His, his heart was beginning to move towards him, and it's the same today with people all around, perhaps some here again this morning. Consider these two people. You got the one man who has never heard of Jesus, and he knows little to nothing about the Bible. Never heard of the Bible. Maybe he's heard of the Bible, but doesn't understand the Bible. Maybe he's heard about Jesus, but doesn't care about Jesus whatsoever, or has wrong thinking about Jesus, and just lives in that way. These are the majority of people in the country that we have friends in who are serving now in the, in, um, in the country of Turkey. The other is a woman who has neighbors who are Christians. She's lost, but she has neighbors who are Christians. She's, she's lost. She's, she's, she's not necessarily um, pursuing God wholeheartedly or anything, but she, she's got friends who are Christians who have invited her to church, who have invited her to a Bible study, who have actually sat across the table and, and shared a meal with her and, and invited her into their home, and, and they've prayed together, or, or they've, they've had a conversation about the gospel. Which one is potentially closer to the kingdom of God? The one who's never heard anything, unreached, or the one who has a friend who is speaking about the glories of God with them across the dinner table. At a very real level, the woman is closer, per se, to the kingdom. Now, she could be very close and be just as far away, right? I mean, you're either in or, in or out, ultimately. You're either saved or you're not saved. You either confess and repent and believe the gospel, or you don't. I'm just saying that there is a joy, there is a gift, there is a reality that you and I can interact with people in such a way as to actually be used by God to draw them to himself and to get them approaching the kingdom of God rather than staying afar. That's why we send missionaries overseas. That's why each week we go out from this place with a sense of mission, desire to, to be a light in this dark world. And then once people have been transferred by God's grace and the power of the Spirit into the kingdom of God, they aren't meant to become stagnant in the kingdom. They're meant to grow in godliness. And in his letter to Titus, Paul says this. He says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly desires, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. The grace of the God that brings salvation is also the grace of the God that transforms people. It is the gospel, it is the grace of God that, that saves us and continually transforms us, motivates us to follow him and to trust him, to, to not just give him glory, but to enjoy him and to declare him and to display him in our life in all those manifest ways. The Spirit of God is, 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 is uh, usual, utilizing the gospel to conform us to the image of Christ. So it is, it is the, the glory of the gospel that causes us to, to, um, um, uh, to, to run to Christ with thanksgiving. To, to cause us to say, man, God, thank you that you opened my eyes to see that I exist for you and that I can have real life in you. And it's not just about Maybe the kind of church that we grew up in where it was just all about obligation. Things that you must do, things that you should not do, but instead finding real life and freedom 
and forgiveness in Christ. Increasingly, we used to sing a song called The Glories of Calvary, and it was part of the, part of the chorus was, uh, Lord, take me deeper into the glories of Calvary. Why did we sing that song? Well, because as we're taken deeper into the glories of Calvary, our lives are, are radically changed. All that to say the gospel centrality is to know Christ and him crucified, to be humble experts of the gospel of grace by way of experience, not just knowledge base. Having experienced the grace of God, we can, we can and enjoying the grace of God, we, we, we walk in, in our weakness and in our strength, we can, we can walk in this newness of life and tell others about him. It's the plan of God to spread the fame of his name through the proclamation of the gospel that redeems and it changes a people for himself to dwell with forever. The spirit-empowered gospel transforms them into the kingdom of God and the spirit-empowered gospel transforms us into the image of the Son of God. This is our conviction about people and the effects of the spirit-empowered gospel that has on them. And as we grasp the realities of the depths of the wisdom of God and his gospel, we will grow in grateful motivation to mature and multiply disciples who enjoy, declare, and display the good news of Jesus for the joy of all peoples. This leads to our third foundational conviction, and that is this. The preaching of the word of God by the spirit of God is of utmost necessity in maturing and multiplying disciples of Jesus. Now, by, by preaching, I don't mean only what's going on here this morning right now. Certainly, we believe that preaching on a Sunday morning through the Word of God week after week is, is meant to change a people, change individuals, and change a church over a period of months and years and just being kind of soaked in God's Word through, uh, through hours and hours and hours together to mature and multiply disciples. But, but when I speak of preaching... I, I, could very well use the term, I've used it already this morning, proclamation. The proclamation of the Word of God. Maybe a conversation again over coffee. Maybe it's a discussion in a Bible study or writing out scripture verses in a letter to someone or, or speaking to your child in the car or, 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 or living room. What it, whatever it looks like and however it's done, wherever it's done, there are three things that always are essential. One, proclaiming God's Word. Two, praying with dependence on the Holy Spirit, and three, persevering in both of those things. Consider what Paul says in the first chapter of First Thessalonians. He says, For we know, brothers loved by God, that he's chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And the result of that was that they turned from idols to serve the living and true God. They believed the gospel of Jesus, and they turned from idols. They, they were brought from one kingdom to another kingdom, the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. They turned, from God, turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. The word of God comes to people, and by the power of the Spirit, it, it, it works on a person. The, the more we hear the word, the more it changes the way we think about God. I was talking to somebody a few weeks back about church sometimes, or like, you know, Sometimes a message might land so wonderfully on somebody. Other times, you know what it's like to just, maybe it's this morning where you're just like, hmm, nah, I'm not getting anything. You know, whatever. It's those kind of things. It's, it's, but it's, like the, it's kind of like coming, coming to church, coming to the means of grace that is this worship service, this gathering 
that we have, or midweek gatherings for that matter, or Bible studies, or spending time in the Word of God every day, or, or those kind of things. It's, it's like coming out into the sunshine. It's, it's like coming outside after a, a long, difficult, depressing winter, and the sun is shining on March 23rd or something like that for the first time, and, and you go outside and you just, you just breathe it in. And what are you breathing in? I mean, it's light, vitamin D, but it's encouraging and it strengthens you. And it's, it's, a, it's that kind of thing that we're talking about here. Coming to the Word over and over and over again, reading and understanding um, God's Word, growing to sit under the Word and humble yourself under the Word. Now, certainly, knowing about the Word does not mean you're going to follow God. Knowing more information doesn't necessarily mean anything. There are plenty of people that are like theological geniuses and they scholars who know everything about this word. They know everything about the original languages. They know the poetry. They know all the nuances of, of uh, uh, the Far East, uh, ancient Near East stuff. Or they know all those things, can explain all of it, but they don't follow Jesus. They choose to reject it. What is it about them that makes the difference? Well, it's not what we know. It's not, it's not what makes the difference. It's, it's a who that makes the difference. It's the Holy Spirit to give our hearts and minds that we, what we need to know and, and, and believe and to submit and therefore experience change. Again, Paul makes the argument with clarity in the first chapters of 1 Corinthians to the Corinthian believers that spiritual truth is given by the Spirit. And so we pray. We pray for the Spirit to open eyes. We pray for the Spirit to give understanding. And we ask the Spirit to do only the work that He can do. Whatever it is in our lives, or the lives of our children, or the lives of the people around us, or around the world, we ask for the Spirit. We plead with the Spirit. We pray that He does this work. We believe that God advances His plan of spreading the fame of His name. We, we believe that God advances the spirit of His glory in redeeming a people for Himself to dwell with forever through God's people who are proclaiming God's word and praying in the power of the Spirit for independence of the Spirit, and rather than becoming sidetracked by whatever, persevering in both those things, of knowing Christ and Him crucified, of proclaiming Christ and Him crucified, and of depending on the Spirit in prayer that uh, not only um, like this world would change or that our country would change but that, or, or this church would change, but that we ourselves as individuals would change and that our church would follow Christ. Conviction number four, finally, mature disciples of Jesus will grow to feel their own responsibility to mature and multiply disciples of Jesus. Of all the ways that God could see to it to spread his fame and to redeem a people for himself to dwell with, he has chosen to do so through his people. Um, average people like, like me and you, people who bear hurts, who deal with various trauma, who struggle with sin and a myriad of weaknesses and, and experience a, a, a number of fears. We are those whom God is charged with the responsibility of proclaiming and, and praying and persevering in both of those 
things of maturing and multiplying disciples of Jesus Christ. We are, we are those who have been born again. We are those who have been given the indwelling of the Spirit of God. We are those who are promised that God will never, Jesus, God will never leave us or forsake us. We, we have been promised that by Jesus himself that as we go making, maturing and multiplying disciples, he will be with us wherever we go. What we see in the New Testament is Jesus giving that great commission of making disciples of all nations to all those who follow him. In Romans 15, Paul expects the Christians will be teaching. It won't just be from a, a pastor or a, or a mentor or something. It's, a, it's, it's Christians will be teaching one another, growing with one another. In, in other passages, we're told the followers of Christ are to be exhorting one another all the more as you see the day approaching, encouraging each other. We, in Philippians, we're told that we're partners uh, in the ministry of the Gospels. We really are. It's not just, it's not just Paul. It's not just Apollos. It's not just Steve or Kale or Dan. It's, it's Mason and it's it's, uh, it's Simon, and it's Josephine, and it's Krishna, and it's Dave, and it's Sean, and Annalise, and on and on. All of us together helping each other learn Christ by the power of the Spirit through the proclamation of the Word of God and in prayerful dependence of the Spirit with steadfastness and perseverance, not losing hope, not getting caught up in something else, not, not getting sidetracked, being focused to know Christ and Him crucified. If I'm going to know anything in this world, I'm going to know Christ and, and know the gospel of grace, and I'm going to proclaim that everywhere I go, because what's going to change people but the earnest work of the Holy Spirit through the proclamation of God's people for the glory of God? No more could be said, but those are four convictions that we have, and I'll talk more about those uh, in the weeks to come, and we'll have time for discussion uh, on Wednesday night, starting on September 20th. With all that said, three quick implications. Now, the implications have been kind of stated throughout here, but let me, let me share these three implications. Our primary focus at Sovereign Grace Church Dayton will be on spirit-empowered, persevering, prayer-filled proclamation of the Word of God. You want to know what we do, who we are, our primary focus is that. Of all the things we could be about doing, speaking into and, and addressing, that's number one. Primary focus will be on spirit-empowered, persevering, prayer-filled proclamation of the Word of God. Not just from this pulpit, although, yes, from this pulpit, but in relationship with one another, in this world, in this culture, with one another. At the very heart of what we want to do is to create a culture in this church family that's focused on the Word of God. If, if it's the Word of God by the Spirit through the people of God that salvation and sanctification take place, then we want to create as many opportunities as possible for people to be reading the Bible, for people to be hearing the Bible, for people to be responding to the Bible both individually and corporately. It's why we have a Tuesday morning men's Bible study, uh, two, two Tuesday morning Bible studies, a Thursday, Thursday night Bible study again, we have, why, why the women are getting together, not just to hear joy, but also to have a workshop where you can work through the text yourself and begin to grasp a, a way to study, one of, one of the many ways to study God's Word, and, and why there are multiple Bible studies going on at any given time, which we're so grateful for those grassroots kind of Bible studies that are happening. We want to be a people of the Word, we, because it's the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, that's going to change us. It's going to make us a a people who enjoy, declare, and display the good news of Jesus for the joy of all peoples. 
And so that's why we have Wednesday nights. It's why, why we want us, uh, young, young kids to be learning about this biggest story, this, this, this picture, this meta-narrative of God's Word, this biblical theology of, of God's Word, of understanding the story, understanding where they are in that story. It's why the, the youth group is, is going to be going after Luke, right? Going, or going after, uh, specifically stating what Jesus has done, what he's accomplished, what he continues to do today. It's why, it's why the adult class is going to be going through um, our, our mission statement through God's Word of why we do what we do, what our convictions are, what it is that changes us as, a, as people individually, not just motivated by the gospel, but what is also changing us, and then what does it mean for the joy of all peoples? How can we be involved in, in, in spreading the fame of God's name and, and, uh, and proclaiming the word of God among all peoples? It's why we provide the Dwell Bible reading app to anybody who wants it in our church. If you don't have it yet, please come up to me after the church service, and I'll send you a link it's a, it's, a, it's a great app. It's, it's why we um, will, will just want to continue having the Word of God be central in our counseling and everything we do. And it also means we need to rely on prayer. We, we need to be a people of prayer, asking God to help us see the spiritual needs around us we, and, and, and open His Word to us. We need to be a people who constantly ask God to be a work as we speak His words and hear His words and respond to His Word. And so with that in mind, we want to continue to weave a culture of prayer into the life of the church. I think we're generally a praying church. It's why we sometimes break down into small groups and pray. It's why, it's why one of the pastors prays from the pulpit, from not, not just a, a long, lengthy prayer because we like long, lengthy prayers, but because there's a lot of things to pray for. and We want to, we want to come to the throne of grace and spend time there praying and seeking God, asking God for things. It's why we're purposefully moving towards a prayer ministry team that will serve the church through specific intercessory prayer. It's, it's why the pastors are meeting every Tuesday morning to pray for our church family. It's why we have a prayer group on Church Center, our, that is our mobile app. It's why we're planning on taking the first Wednesday gathering of every month to sing together and spend significant amounts of time praying together, both children and adults, because dependent prayer is, is not only an adult thing, it's, it's, it's not only taught, but it's often caught as children see parents and other adults depending on God in earnest prayer. And we know that's going to cause some difficulties, and so we're, we're working on what that might look like. It's why from time to time we call the church to a, a season of fasting and prayer, uh, because we are absolutely dependent on the Spirit to work, and so we, we want to fast and we want to pray. It's why we're taking the first weekend of the new year to commit to a 48-hour focus time of prayer and calling you to join us in that as a church family. We want our praying to be God-centered, God-confident prayers that show how much we depend on Him, not just because it's something spiritual to do, but because, because prayer is the opportunity and the privilege we have to go before the throne of God and seek His face and to proclaim His name and to, to go with all of our intercessions, all, all of our prayers of intercession and prayer for one another and our hope for ministry and hope for success, for God's glory. Implication number two, people will be a focal point at Sovereign Grace Church Dayton. And you might say, well, okay, that's, of course that's true. Here, here's what I mean by that. Our, our goal isn't to just build up any number of programs as we move forward just because. Our, our goal is to consider the people whom God's brought and ask how we can move them towards learning Christ 
through the spirit-empowered proclamation and uh, persevering proclamation and prayerful proclamation of the word of God. Some, some people who aren't yet followers of Christ just need to be engaged relationally. Other people who have already been engaged relationally, they, they, don't, know, they don't know Christ yet. They've not, they've not followed Jesus. They just need to be engaged. Other people need to be, then, well, people who have been engaged need to be evangelized. That is sharing the gospel, the evangel with, with someone, actually sharing the gospel with someone. And then, then by God's grace, they, they, they come to faith, they come to believe. Those people need to be established in their faith and growing in their faith. And then, and then those people that are being established in their faith are also being equipped for the work of ministry, some for specific vocational ministry, others just for, for the ministry of the saints in the church and in this culture. The elders are purposely considering, and we pray that you will join us, how those around us might need to be engaged and evangelized uh, through the bridge course, potentially, and inviting people to come to the bridge course, being involved in the bridge course. If you have questions about that, contact Kale in particular, or established or equipped. So coming on Wednesday nights, coming on Sunday mornings, we're, we're, we're asking the Lord for direction and how we might prayerfully help one another mature and multiply followers of Christ, who in turn also mature and multiply disciples who learn Christ, who also then mature and multiply. You see the, you see the addition, the multiplication that's going on. This is one reason why we're wanting to specifically grow in providing care for families who are dealing with some sort of special needs of some sort. We know that our discipleship conviction regarding children being part of our Sunday morning gathering creates some difficulties, and we, we want to grow as your pastors and knowing how to care well for everyone who comes to this place, to this church. And so we've already reached out to a number of people uh, who have experienced in this area to meet together so that we could learn together and prayerfully make a plan to implement and create a, a path forward, a ways that we can grow in this uh, in some way to care for these families, to become more inclusive as a church and welcoming special needs uh, in, in all, all the varying ways, from little, from little ones all the way to really old ones who just have, have, have some other things that are going on that we need to be thoughtful about and mindful and how to grow in caring as a church specifically for that. So if you have experience or training in special needs ministry, um, please come talk to me after the service or at some point this week. That would be wonderful. And would you commit to joining us in prayer and action in engaging, evangel evangelizing, and, and establishing and equipping those in our houses and our communities and the church. Last implication, then we'll close. Servanthood will be a focal point at Sovereign Grace Church Dayton as well. When, when we grasp that all of us are called to join God in his plan to make a name for himself and to be persevering and prayerfully praying and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ so that people would be redeemed and for God to dwell with forever by maturing and multiplying disciples who enjoy and declare and display the good news of Jesus Christ for the joy of all peoples. And we want to grow in our purposefulness as a church, at church. Not just, not just while we're at one of the two major gatherings, not just Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights not just at a Bible study that we might attend, but all week, including our gatherings. 
We think how we might encourage someone. We think, we think about how we might serve someone. We think about how we might pray for someone. We, we come to our Sunday mornings, um, Sunday gatherings, praying where, where we're going to sit, where it is we, who it is we can encourage, who it is we can strengthen, who it is we can pray for, and maybe who we will ask for prayer from. And of course, we want to serve in the areas of ministry that are available with the intention and prayer that we might engage those who are not yet followers of Christ. This is one beautiful reality of children's ministry on Wednesday nights in particular, the opportunity to, to engage and evangelize. And for older kids who have come to faith specifically and are understanding what's going on, they, they, they would be being established. It's such a wonderful ministry, so we encourage you to make it a matter of purposeful prayer and action, to ask the Lord how you can grow in, in serving here. Many of you are serving in more than one place, and so thank you for that. If, if you're not serving, consider uh, um, asking the pastors, uh, come to the family meeting next week, we'll be sharing some more opportunities, but there's always opportunities to serve, and we just thank you for, for praying to be part of that. We want to be a, a church that lives for God's glory, proclaims God's glory, and proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, in a persevering manner, and, and uh, a people who are serving and, and loving and people who are caring well for others and having the right mindset as we walk through life together. So as we enter this new ministry year at Sovereign Grace Church Dayton, may we be a church family committed to joining the mission of God to glorify Jesus in the midst of people that he has rescued and transformed. May we be those who know we're forgiven sinners who are learning Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. May we be disciples who are matured and multiplied by the persevering proclamation of the Word of God by the people of God in prayerful dependence on the Spirit of God for the glory of God and for the joy of all peoples locally, nationally, and globally. What we